0: Hi guys! Hello everyone! Hello everyone, and welcome to Pod I'm Valentina Calidina. We are live on Castbox every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Pod is a live, interactive show where we talk about podcasting. This is episode number three. For questions and comments, please call or text. It would be great to hear from you guys. In Podbytes, we invite investors, podcasters, and other key opinion leaders to share their insights into the future of the podcast industry. The show is recorded live and uploaded as a podcast episode afterwards. You guys can engage with other listeners and guests by dialing in or writing comments in real time. You can also send virtual gifts to the host to support the show. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Camille, hello. Hello. Uh, welcome, guys. Thank you for following the host, Kamel. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Jonathan, welcome. Tao, Xiong, welcome. Rakesh, Kamal, lovely Kai, Anstram. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining, guys. Two weeks ago, we were joined by investor Edith Yang. Edith is a creator of China Internet Report and a partner at two VC firms, 500 Startups and Proof of Capital. We were talking about future internet trends, blockchain, and developing markets. We discussed how the smart speakers and device like that will influence podcasting. It was a very interesting conversation. If you didn't have a chance to listen to it, check it out in Replace. In today's episode, we'll be talking about podcasting trends, investments, advertising, and various types of content creators. In a few minutes, we will talk to Rob Walsh, who is the VP of Podcaster Relations for Libsyn and who was inducted into the Podcasting Hall of Fame in 2016. It's going to be an interesting discussion. You can type your questions in the chat window and call in. But before we start the interview, let's look through some of the recent news in the podcasting. A new company called PodFund will begin making one-time investments in podcasts in exchange for a share of their revenue, reporting The Verge. The PodFund team has raised... 2.3 million U.S. dollars in its seed round, which includes investment from Bloomberg Beta, Zelkova Ventures, TechNexus, Pascal-Lévy-Garbois, and Weave Capital. PodFund is founded in partnership with and operated by Radio Public and is led by CEO Jake Shapiro and General Manager Nikola Kurzenko. In coming months, PodFund will find, fund, and support dozens and eventually hundreds of podcasters. Best of luck with your initiative, guys. (coughs) And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for joining again. We're looking at the industry news and uh, thanks, Eric, for your heart. Thanks, Alan Zhao, for joining. Thanks, Rene, for the microphone and other gifts. Uh, Welcome, guys. You can type your questions in the chat window. (coughs) And uh, moving forward, Next week, Apple will start a new session which is called Creating Your First Podcast. This will be at the Apple Store in Chicago, Creating Your First Podcast, it is called. It's a 30-minute Apple Store session that uses GarageBand for iPhone to teach the basics of recording, editing, and refining a podcaster trailer with music and audio loops. I hope we have some listeners from Chicago, and you guys please keep that in mind and share your impressions afterwards last one. According to the Infinite Dial 2019 Canada report, there is a robust growth in smart speaker ownership and podcast listening. Over one quarter of Canadians who are above 18 years old now own a smart speaker. And 36% of Canadians who are above 18 are now weekly podcast listeners. (coughs) Now, news from CastBox. CastBox currently has more than one hundred and three millions of episodes. This is the equivalent to more than 66 million hours of audio content, wow! It would take about 7,582 years to listen to it. But this will be a great experience, I promise. <coughs> Hello guys, uh, thank, you. thank you for joining us today. So we will uh, start the interview in just a small pause, we, will, we are waiting for some more people to join us. <coughs> All right, now back to the interview. This is Podbytes Talk Show. I'm Valentina Caladina. Today I'm joined by Rob Walsh. Rob Walsh was inducted into the Podcasting Hall of Fame in 2016 and is the VP of Podcaster Relations for Libsyn. Rob is co-author of Tricks of the Podcasting Masters Q 2006 which was an editor's pick as a top 10 reference book for 2006 by Amazon. Rob started podcasting in 2004 as host of the award-winning podcast 411. Additionally, Rob is host of Today in iOS podcast, the first and largest podcast about the iPhone. Since 2004, Rob has presented at well over 100 events on the subject of podcasting and new media. Rob has consulted on podcasting for Jack Welch Tim Ferriss, and eBay to name just a few Hi Rob thank you for joining us today Hi Valentina
1: thanks for having me on the show
0: uh, it's great talking to you today um, and welcome to all our listeners and uh, we are having more people to joining us guys welcome and you can type your questions or call in we're going to start the interview my first question um, Rob, in your role of uh, VP of Podcaster Relations at Libsyn, which is the largest podcasting, podcast hosting network, uh, you cover various aspects from managing relations with podcast producers to managing ad sales. You work with smaller podcasts. You work with market majors as Spotify and Pandora. Uh, also, you interact with all the aggregator apps. So in today's conversation, I will try to tackle various topics so we get a chance to see the snapshot of the podcasting industry. Let's start with the recent news. I'm curious about Google. Uh, Google is going to put podcast search for the homepage. Well, first of all, why now? And why did it take that
1: so long? It, it has taken a while for Google. Um, you know, th- th- they had a little bit of podcasting with Google Play Music, but it never really, Their, their, their podcasting on GPM never really took off for many reasons. It, was, it wasn't a good experience. So then they came out with Google Podcasts last year where it's kind of, sort of an app, but you still have to go to the app store to install it. And, oh, if you want to submit your podcast to it, there's no place to submit. So it's, it's a little bit confusing yet still there. And now the latest news from Google, which is around Google Podcasts, but they're going to put it in the search results. And, and these search results are anywhere. So if you're on an iPhone and you search in Google, it'll show up in your search results on your iPhone um i haven't tried it on the android side but i'm hoping it's a little bit of better experience on the android side as being more integrated with google podcast but it does take you on the ios side to a page that says google podcast and still shows up as safari as your user agent but it's nice that google is getting behind it it's nice to see the ceo of google mention podcasts in a keynote it's always good to get that mention from the top uh guy at at the, the largest search company in the world so it, it's it's a good thing yeah it would have been nice a few years back but it, uh-huh. it's a good thing that it's happening now
0: what is the implication for all of us
1: i think it's better visibility for all podcasters so now people are going to come in and they're going to search for something and mixed in their search results are going to be podcasts and and that means they're going to people that don't know podcast aren't familiar with podcast, are going to be exposed to more and more podcasts. And that's a good thing as, as they get more exposed to podcasts. Some of those people are going to try podcasts and they're gonna find out they like podcasts and they're gonna to listen to podcasts. So this is a good thing. Um, if you're a podcaster and you want your podcast to be one of the ones they, they, they like and try, um, you better start rethinking how the beginning of your episode is. If the beginning of your episode is 60 seconds of, of music before you get to any content, People on the internet are not going to be tolerant of that. So you're going to need to have your intro a little bit changed and optimized for people that are discovering you via a search result.
0: Right. So what would be your rough guess? How many new users, how many first-time users did this can bring? Is it like hundreds or thousands of
1: people? Oh, it'll bring millions of new listeners uh, for sure. Uh, but, it, you know, it'll bring a few percent growth. I and mean, it there's 150 million people roughly um, that are consuming podcasts worldwide. Uh, so it'll bring a few percentage growth, uh, I would imagine in in the next year. Uh, that's a good thing. It's not going to be huge. It's not going to double podcasting by any stretch of the imagination. Podcasting still isn't native on, on Android. And there's still a huge disparity between iOS and Android users. We see overall a four and a half to one ratio iOS to Android consumption. Uh, I don't know what at CastBox, I don't know what your ratio is, iOS to Android, um, but I, I'm sure iOS, you're getting more listeners from iOS than you are Android. Um,
0: CastBox has, uh, actually, CastBox has uh, a lot on Android. And, um, yeah, because we started, uh, we, we put a lot of efforts uh, into Android development when, when we just started. Okay. So we are very strong on Android. And at that time, uh, there were no any Google podcasts. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you're seeing. I mean, so we look forward. Yeah. It's a definitely positive yeah. thing, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good thing when one of the largest companies in the world, CEO, talks about podcast in the keynote. That's always a good thing. When Tim Cook mentions podcast, it's a good thing. When the CEO <laughs> of Microsoft mentions podcast, it's a good thing. And when the CEO of of Google mentions podcast, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Totally. So in one of your previous interviews, you mentioned that Spotify and Apple will be the top players and uh, nothing can ha- can happen to their market share. And you were saying that Apple has uh, about 62% out of all downloads and it is followed by Spotify, which accounts for 9%. Uh, is it more or less up to date? Um,
1: so numbers? right now, Apple's about 61, 62%. And, 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 and Spotify is flattened out at around nine and a half percent. And I, I think eventually, um, if Google releases a truly native app, you'll see that percentage drop for Apple. They'll eventually get down around 50 percent. But it's going to take Google building a native app to really change that. So really what I was saying, was, until, until Google releases a native app, Apple's market share is not going to change much. Um, and, right. and Spotify, you know, again at 9.6 is is a really good they're a solid number two we haven't had a solid number two in space for a long time since back when zune was was a thing so yeah, so 62 yeah for apple is good um now apple's market share has dropped a little bit it used to be around 65 66 but the number of downloads apple's seeing has increased so the space has itself grown overall I do expect Apple eventually to get down around fifty percent, but it's going to be a long time. Oh, that's a huge before drop. anyone comes. Yeah, well, it's not a huge drop if they if, if that go from sixty two to fifty, if the total number of downloads goes up. And again, I think that'll happen once Google Podcast becomes a native app on Android, and a couple of years after that, it'll take a couple of years um, because Androids are going to take a longer time to um, to upgrade. Uh, when, P- when Apple releases a new version of iOS, within six months, 75% of the people that own iOS devices are upgraded to the new, the new version. Six months ago, when Android released the new latest version of Android, we're now at less than 2% uptake on that latest version. So it, it's a lot longer uh, uptake period. So I would say from when Google Podcasts goes native to probably three years after that is when you'll see that really kick in strong on, on the Android, where the market share starts to come down a little bit for Apple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still a long way, three years. So, but we are seeing more and more new entrants into this market. So, um, we see uh, like small players entering this space, um, the companies uh, such as Brew and Swoot and many others. So, what is your take on the competition between big players and new entrants? Uh, what's the place of well, the new entrance in this game?
1: Well, Brew is one that shot themselves in the foot and keeps c- shooting themselves in the foot. I don't see that ever getting any, any uptake the way it is right now because when you go to the Brew app and you go to open it, the first thing it wants you to do is create an account. People don't want to create accounts. The first thing they want to do is listen to a podcast. And if they decide they like your app, then maybe they'll create an account. So Brew and, and, and other apps that require you to create an account when you, when you first open it up, those apps are never gonna get much uptake. Um, it's it, it just, it's not a good user experience. And, and, and some of them, those developers may tell you, oh, but we need this for the experience and, and we need to be able to track and help the people. They can create anonymized tokens for that device and create that user behind the scene on their own. And then when the user wants to register, they can take that token and bring all that history over. So developers can do it. They choose not to, they choose to want to force people to sign up and that's a bad user experience choice.
0: Yeah. So, but uh, s- speaking about others, do you think they have a real unique service offer? Like are they adding to- value to the users?
1: At the end of the day, for, for the apps that have done the best are the ones that have made it the easiest to consume the content people knew they wanted to consume. Right? It, it, when, when you make the podcast app and you want to differentiate yourself from the native app, Apple's podcast app or Spotify, you have to make it really easy to consume content you know uh, the, the listeners know they want to consume. Don't try to oh, make, oh, we're going to optimize our app for discoverability discoverability isn't what grows podcast apps what grows podcast apps is ease of consumption of the content they already know they want to consume that's what we've seen for the apps that are the biggest in the space right um, and and outside third-party apps and a lot of times people try to go oh well we're going to it's all about discoverability all about discoverability and, and the problem is that's not how podcast consumption and and, and the spread of podcast has worked it's worked by people telling their friends, go listen to this, go listen to that. Um, and, and that really, when you, when you talk to the biggest podcasts, is how they've gotten big, they say their audiences promoted them. So
0: right, I think that, when it comes back
1: helps. to, yeah. Yeah. When, when it comes back to the apps, what the apps need to do is, is make it really, really easy to consume and give extra features. Um, uh, there, are, I don't know, without naming names, but there are some apps that have done a really good job of making it easy to consume content and adding features, so that it, that they can that the end users can easily consume the content they would know they want to consume and, and either organize it in a playlist or or go from one episode to the next in that same show. That that's where we've seen the apps that do the best.
0: Right. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to welcome a few new uh, listeners who joined us. Uh, hello, CJ. Hello, Will. Hello, Gurjinder. Hello, Bikash. And uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Cameron. And uh, CJ is saying, personally, I hate it as well when apps force you to log in, I'll create an account. <laughs> I, I
1: mean, mean he- my, my, yeah. Yeah, my job is right, to look at all these different apps that come out. So I'm always checking different apps. I still haven't created an app on brew yet. Right. And I'm like, okay. And, 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 it, and it's like, okay, I, I need to check all these different apps out. And I'm like, okay, well, do I create an app on brew? Or do I go to one of these other apps I have in a folder that I need to check out? I go to one of the other ones. Right. And, and if it's my job to check these out and to see how podcasts look in them, and I'm not even willing to create an account, most yeah. people aren't going to be able to, do, aren't going to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, now let's talk about recent investments, uh, which is also important. Uh, recently we've seen, um, some huge investments from venture capitalists uh, that came into podcasting space and it seems that everyone on the market is just so critical about this. Um, I'm talking about, uh, cases of Luminary and Himalaya and others. Um, yeah and um, oh yeah, I think uh, our users are also asking, um, yeah, uh, thank you, Tina, for your question. yeah, what yeah. do you think yeah, about yeah, luminary
1: well all the, okay, so all this money coming into the space is it's definitely a pod bubble, right? Luminary getting a hundred million dollars um, and they didn't have any technology at the point in time they didn't have a, they didn't have anything, right and, and they got a hundred million dollars that that is by definition a, a bubble <laughs> um what do I think about Luminary? I, I don't think they're going to to be around in, in five years, uh, not based on the current business model, because they got $100 million means they have to be valued at a billion dollars. And VCs want to see you know that viability. And you're not going to get to be a billion-dollar company by selling $8 a month subscriptions to podcast listeners. It's just not going to happen. There's no viable way to get to that kind of valuation. So my thoughts on Luminary, um, they're good folks there. Um, they have good intentions, they have lots of money. Uh, they went through a really rough patch on their launch. <laughs> as I said to them when I was talking with them, I go, you know, having a hundred million dollars doesn't mean you know what's actually happening in the space that's, you know, and what's happened. Uh, so th- they are learning um, how to how to do things. Um, they have definitely taken a, a few hits on the nose um, at launch. Uh, but I, I, some people will go, there's no such thing as bad PR. And And I'll tell you what, If if you believe that, they got lots and lots of PR um, around their launch. Uh, But at the end of the day, I just don't think what their business proposition is, which is taking readily available content and hiding it behind a paywall, is what listeners want overall. I mean, that's definitely not what Netflix did. Netflix took hard to get content and made it readily available. Luminary is doing the opposite. They're taking easy to get content and making it hard to find. And that, at the end of the day, isn't going to be a business model that wins out, not at $8 a month, uh, when there's so much great, great free content. Luminaries are 40, 50 shows that are, are behind their paywall. Um, that's tiny, tiny compared to the number of active shows. And even a conservative number of 200,000 active shows, that 40 is such a drop in the bucket. And there's such great content out there. So um, I, I, I just... I just think that there's people spending crazy money in the space. Uh, but what Spotify spent was crazy money. You know? um, uh, I understand why they spent it for Gimlet a little bit. Uh huh. Um, but people, you know, people overthink um, that Gimlet was this huge entity network. You know, with all these tons of downloads, and and you can see it in your stats um, on your app on where the Gimlet numbers were, but. If you looked in Apple Podcasts, right after the Gimlet acquisition happened, Gimlet didn't have a single episode, not one episode on any show in their network in the top 100. None. Zero. Uh, Joe Rogan that day after the acquisition had eight. Joe Rogan himself had eight episodes. We have individual shows on, on Libsyn that get more downloads in a month than Gimlet got on all their shows combined in a month. Um, so Gimlet isn't very big, although they, Spotify paid 200 plus million for them for a reason. And, and that's they wanted the team to create content.
0: Right. When you acquire someone, you're paying for the team and for their brains and for their creativity. Right. I assume so. Right.
1: Right. It wasn't for the content that was already out there. So people need to understand that. Now, um, they also got... Uh, uh, another uh, the other company uh podcast i think it was and, and and again that was for content related and then they got anchor and anchor there's no justification on anchor i mean the only thing that makes any sense and i joke is it would involved investment bankers a strip club and white powdery substance that's about the only thing that makes any sense oh, on the anchor oh my deal God.
0: <laughs> okay yeah uh, just um our listeners, I think, are saying, Camille uh, is saying, why, why pay for free? Yeah, indeed. Um, and uh, But yeah, I understand, uh, like, most of uh, the people are um, pessimistic, not pessimistic, or, but critical about that. But um, is there anything, any positive a- aspects of this enormous investment? Can you see any
1: positive? Yes. Oh, well, absolutely. First off, Remember this: Himalaya and 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 uh, Luminary both got their hundred million before um, Spotify went on their drunken sailor spending spree. Right, um, so they got their hundred million each before um, Spotify spent close to half a billion dollars. There's going to be a lot more money coming into the space, and there's going to be a lot more visibility coming into the space because this money creates interest, creates visibility, that's going to help rise the ships in the space. Now, a lot of these companies that have no business model are going to crash and burn, but that doesn't affect the underlying fundamentals that there is a lot of people listening to podcasts, and that number is steadily growing, and and there is a core core business uh, listener base out there that grows every month. And, and that's a good thing for everybody. And this visibility brings more people in, brings more awareness to podcasting. And overall, that's a really good thing for podcasting. There are going to be articles when the bubble pops about, oh, podcasting was overvalued. Oh, podcasting is going through a downturn. It, it, that won't be the case. What'll be the case is that a few bad business deals went south, but podcasting itself has a very long-term Uh, a a very good outlook long-term and very good fundamentals. We see, again, at Libsyn, we see growth every month on the number of people that are coming in. Um, To put it in perspective in the U.S., there are more people each month now listening to podcasts than there are listening on Pandora to anything or listening on Spotify to anything or listening to SiriusXM podcast audience is larger than those other things that people consider mainstream podcasting is you know people want to call it a niche medium it's a mass medium with yeah. niche content right? Yeah, it's a, right it's a huge medium now It just has a lot of niche content in it which is a good thing
0: yeah i mean it, it's a mass thing it just takes time uh, probably for everyone to realize that um yeah, but if, you, if we uh, come back a little bit to this mm-hmm. investments uh, topic, so um, can you give a rough guess? Where, are you, where do you think the next acquisition will happen? Will it be in the acquiring content creators or something else?
1: Well, uh, what was it? Acash just acquired Pippa. So we've had yeah. that one that was recently. Um, there's rumors of uh, another, um, acquisition that's going to be announced here in the next, before the end of the quarter, uh, probably can't say who it is, but it, it, there's a rumor that, it, that, um, uh, one of the other hosting companies out there, not Libsyn, one of the other ones out there, um, is going to get acquired, mm-hmm. um, by one of the bigger, um, media companies. Oh, it's good but to know it, the
0: rumors. It, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. It, it, we'll see if it happens, but you know, um, my, my sources have been pretty good in the past. Uh, yeah, and I'm we sure. hear from investment. Yeah. We have here from investment bankers. We, we kind of, know, sometimes when, before these things happen because we get calls and they go, what do you think about this company? Like, okay. Well, if you're asking about a competitor, we know why, wow. um, but you know, there's going to be some more acquisitions. It's, it's going to happen. Um, there are going to be more networks that get acquired. Um, people that are creating content that have the rights to that content. You're going to see those small networks getting acquired. Um, someone, someone, um like you know like the producer behind tannis and rabbits uh you know he's he he's he's perfect acquisition for someone who wants content so you're going to see more people like that and maybe jim harold and his paranormal network mm-hmm. you're going to see folks like that um and I'm not saying those people specifically you know i'm saying max or, or jim but i'm saying people like that are are, are likely to get acquired um, because there is some really good content in certain niches and when those niches become popular and and show some mass, people are gonna want wanna get a hold of that content. Uh, again, Spotify spent 220 million for Gimlet for the so that they could create content. Now people don't may not realize this. The Ron Burgundy podcast, iHeartRadio spent reportedly over $10 million for the Ron Burgundy podcast for 12 episodes. And it wasn't even good. Um, so there is definitely a, a, um, a bubble right now around the content.
0: Yeah, uh, but it's, it's not bad, not a bad thing. Uh, not a bad thing that no, it, can do content creators.
1: Right, and there's been acquisitions before. I mean, people forget there were other acquisitions in the space before. Scripps bought Midroll, which was, and Earwolf. Um, Le- Legendary bought the Nerdist Network there have been other acquisitions in this space before. These aren't the first time there's been acquisitions.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, not the first wave.
1: Yeah, okay, uh, we are uh,
0: having a call here. I think our user uh, Ten- Blip has just joined. Hello Blip. can you hear us? Would you like to ask a question? I just accepted your call. Hello. Hi Blip. Okay, we are having another call from Luis Carlos. Hello. Hi, good evening. Hello, good evening. I'm Luis from Brazil. Luis. I was listening to you uh, talking about podcast. Yes. Yeah, thank you for calling Please. in. Uh, yeah. Yes, thanks so, pleasure. thanks so much. Do, do you have, uh, pleasure. I, if you have any question, just to feel free. Uh, thank you. Um, no, I'm just, uh, I, um, I like it to listen to podcasts about English because I study English. You know, I like uh, podcasts about
1: news, about history. It's good for me to learn. It.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, Rob, can you comment on the English content or maybe you can recommend to our listeners something to improve the English?
1: Uh, You know, if you if you like history podcasts um, two history podcasts, I highly recommend um, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin and and their episodes are his episodes are about five to six hours long. He releases one or uh, one a quarter, one, one a quarter or half a year. Um, And then every week, um, Mike Duncan does the Revolutions podcast. And you can go back and also hear his other series called The History of Rome. So if you haven't listened to The History of Rome. Um, uh, check that out, but Mike's current ser- series is called Revolutions. It's a great history podcast, um, and if you're trying to learn English, uh, it's a really good one. And then again, um, ha- Hardcore History with Dan Carlin is another is you know, I one of the largest out there.
0: Yeah, I look for I look I used to look for easy podcasts for me because I my English level is
1: intermediate. I think so. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and, and both Dan and, and Mike have good um, uh, uh, lack of accent. They're, so there's not a strong accent in from the U, uh, U.S. English point of view. So if you, both of them are very good speakers. Uh, yeah, thank you for yeah, recommending. Check,
0: check them out. Thanks, thanks so much, Luis. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, please uh, join our next shows. Um, I'm going to talk to another listener. We have a call from Rakesh. Uh, Hello, Rakesh. Hello. Hi, uh, this is Rakesh Rakesh here from India. Hello. Hello, welcome. Hi. Uh, Good morning from India. (laughs) So I just uh, thought, you know, I'll call and uh, ask you guys, I mean, what do you think about podcasting in India? I mean, in India, it has not been such a big space, uh, but we have been radio listeners and I think there will be a lot more people coming in, into you know listening into podcasting, making podcasts and everything with, you know, uh, increasing mobile penetration in a country like this. Um, What do you have? What do you think? Do you have anything that you want to say?
1: Well, there are some shows that do well um, in in India. Uh, There's a lot of content that doesn't show up in India because of the laws there. Uh, There's about 18 to 20 countries in the world and India is one of them where if even a single episode is explicit labeled explicit? The whole show disappears. So if you go into Apple Podcasts in India and you look for um, uh, you know certain shows that are labeled as explicit, they're not going to show up in, in the iTunes directory. So you've got that issue there um, that that holds back some shows from performing well in India. But there are there are shows that we see that get a good percentage of their their audience there. Um, you know, it, it's really about creating local content for the local markets. Um, if you, if, you know, and, and most of the world at this point in time is still behind the United States when it comes to, pers- to consumption of podcasts. Uh, even they just announced what the Australian, um, Edison Research just announced Australia um, uh, surveys last week. And what they found was, you know, uh, even though 80 3% of the people in Australia knew what a podcast was. Only 30% had ever listened to a podcast. Whereas in the U S 70% had knew what a podcast was, but 51% had listened to a podcast. So, you know, there's still a few years um, behind the U S market in every place o- outside the U S at this point, with the possible exception of Japan. Okay. Yeah. yeah but,
0: uh, yeah, the, uh, Thanks, uh, thanks, Rob, and thanks, Rakesh, for asking. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, just a uh, little follow up uh, about Indian market. Uh, what do you think of local players such as GeoSound? Have you, did you have a chance to try I, them?
1: No, I haven't. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and there's a, um, I, I've talked with a company that um, one of the largest um, music um, distributors in India about getting podcasts into India. And in that, you know, similar to how Spotify, we got podcasts into Spotify. So it, maybe in time, um, that's going to be one of the ways we help get more podcasts in there is through through the uh, some of the local music applications and services in India. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can add from Casbo's uh, perspective, uh, we see definitely growth on the Indian market. And Indian market was one of the first uh, markets where we launched Livecast. So probably that's why, you know, we have uh, so many Indian listeners and, uh, yeah, so, the uh, dynamic is positive. Okay. Uh, thanks uh, everyone for joining us. Um, Jonathan, hello. Um, Camille, thank you for commenting. Um, yeah, I think you're a very, uh, dedicated podcasting fan. Um, thanks, uh, everyone for, thanks everyone for sending gifts and, uh, yeah, moving forward. Um, we have, out of the people who are listening to us, we have uh, uh, we have uh, podcasting uh, podcast creators. I'm sure we have both those guys who are podcasters themselves. And the one of the most important questions for podcasters is how to monetize. Um, and I'm going to ask you about um, various types of ads. What do you think about dynamic ads versus host? red
1: ads so what's the current trend on the market okay so first thing i want to say is this it's okay not to monetize so a lot of people get into podcasting and they immediately think they need to monetize and and you always i always have to ask somebody why are you monetizing do you need the money why was the reason that you were doing the podcast there are some people that get into podcasting because it's a hobby and they just want to have fun there's some people get into podcasting because they're building a brand uh or promoting a brand so let's take those off the table and, and uh, talk about now for the, the percentage. And this is the small percentage that can actually monetize because it's not the majority of shows that are monetizing, it is still a small percentage. So if we look at the small percentage that are monetizing, or want to monetize, um, uh, host red ads are always going to get you the highest CPM. And, and CPM for those that are listening and don't know is cost per 1000 yeah. downloads. So M is mm-hmm. milli. So if you can do a host red ad, um, it's going to be more effective and it's going to be the best CPM. But you have to have a show that's getting 5,000 downloads an episode to get these host red ads. Because most advertisers that want you to do the host red ads aren't really going to want to create a special promo code for you and set up a special landing page and track all of this unless you have a certain number of downloads. Um, so in, in, in general, what host red ads requires at least 5,000 US downloads or 5,000 downloads for your show for it to make any sense to anybody. Dynamic ads, because they're dynamic, which means you uh, can so, switch them so, in after the fact. So, fact. Sorry,
0: yep. sorry, Rob, sorry to interrupt you. You're saying about 5,000 uh, downloads per episode. Is it uh, the perspective from the advertiser side?
1: It is, it, it's from the advertiser side. So when you talk to the advertisers for the for the host red ads, um, for them to really be effective is, is called DR, direct uh, response advertisers. These are the ones that are paying the most. Um, they have to create a special promo code. So for example, you know, go to harrys.com uh, or Eero, go, go to Eero.com slash TII and enter promo code TII. That's the one for my, my podcast, yeah. um, right? So go to Eero.com and, and, and for them to set that promo code up, for them to track the results, they don't want to do it for a show that has 50 or a hundred downloads per episode. It's not worth their time and their effort. Yeah. Okay. Um, So they're looking for the advertisers. A lot of times they're looking for at least 5,000. Sometimes they'll go a little bit lower. If the show is a perfect match, um, a psychographic match, maybe you have a show that's about the iPhone and the person selling iPhone cases, right? That's a perfect match. Right. Everybody that listens is a potential customer. Um, but generally you're selling mattresses you're selling razors you're looking at demographics and in that case what you're looking at from a demographic host red ad type ad situation is 5000 downloads per episode within 30 days of release of that episode in general that's that's kind of the minimum some ad agencies they put in a rule of 50000 so midroll scripts uh, whichever now it's stitcher um, they tell you you need to be at 50,000 downloads per yeah, episode that's before lot. they'll start bring it, bringing you a, Yeah, Yeah, and that's the top, that's the top 1% of shows, half a percent of shows. Um, but even at 5,000, you're at the top 7% of shows. So it's only about 7% of shows really ever get to that 5,000 number. Um, so it, again, that's why I said early on, it's a small percentage that are monetized. Now, if we go to dynamic ads, ads that are stitched in after you upload, and it can be pre produced ads, then you can go lower uh, in a number. Um, but you don't want to go too low. Um, anchor went too too low. Right? Anchor allowed anybody to get ads. And and, and there was a, a perfect example a guy was bragging that he got ads from anchor. And he said, I, I get 23 downloads an episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's <laughs> getting a $7 CPM. So the so the rates are lower. So we got a $7 CPM. And He takes up 44 episodes for him to get to a 1,000 downloads. If it took him half an hour an episode, and that's really conservative low, but let's say it took him half an hour an episode, and we know it took more. But if it took him half an hour, that's 22 hours. That means he's making 31 cents an hour. To put things in perspective, the person that built his smartphone that he recorded his podcast on made 10 times that rate that's not a viable business model for the podcaster. If you're making 31 cents an hour, that's not living wage. That's not any wage, right? So people have, will realize, the producers will realize when they're not making any money, it isn't worth it. And that's not a long-term solution for monetization. So you have to be getting a certain number of downloads per month overall from the dynamic ads for it to really make sense. You, know, you wanna be at least 500 downloads an episode doing multiple episodes a month um, before you really get down in that level and and really above a thousand
0: yeah uh yeah i think one of our anonymous users is saying i feel like uh, there are podcasters who want to dedicate more time to seek monetization so they can keep doing it um is it sarcastic (laughs) yeah so yeah
1: uh, here's what i tell podcasters when you have 23 downloads an episode you're your concern shouldn't be if you're making money your concern should be why do i only have 23 downloads an episode you should be worrying about creating good content when people are worried about monetizing before they even launch their show they're worried about the wrong thing they're in it for the wrong reasons and the podcasts aren't going to last we see that all the time people whose first question is how do i monetize they don't make it to 10 15 episodes they pod fade really quick.
0: Yeah, so um, you're saying that host red ads uh, is more efficient. And uh, do you think that market is reacting to it adequately? I mean, is the proportion of dynamic ads decreasing?
1: You're going to see more dynamic ads coming in because it's easier to get dynamic ads into more shows. Mm. So you're going to see more dynamic ads come into the space. That doesn't mean there's going to be more dollars going to dynamic ads. It just means there's going to be more ads that are dynamically stitched in. The better dollar amount today, the majority of dollars spent on podcast advertising is still host-read ads. It's going to be a while before dynamic ads overtakes that. Now, the number of ads will increase on the dynamic ad side. But the dollars, it's going to be a while before the dollars for dynamic ads overtakes the the dollars for for, um, host-read ads.
0: Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, Moving on, um, I want to talk about uh, working with uh, celebrities. So you work as a consultant with uh, many famous people such as Jack Welch and Tim Ferriss and many, many others. So you help Mm -hmm. them to create their podcasts. Um, Could you give just some more background info? What is your role in this process? Do you produce their podcast as well?
1: It depends on who it is. In some cases, they just start and they want help getting it launched or they want production with it. Um, so early on, on Tim Ferriss' podcast, I was doing editing and mm-hmm. show notes and uploading and releasing the episodes early on just for a few. And then I basically told him, find somebody else. You don't need me for this. Um, but it, uh, so it just depends on who it is. Jack Welch, I do that. I, I, help, I sit there and I do the recording and do the full thing. They him and his wife, and they're, they're, uh, there's three of them, the other the other co-host will get in some location somewhere and they'll put a Yeti mic in the middle of the room and I'll be on Skype and I'll record it on my side. Uh, they wanna do it as simple as possible. Um, and, and then they, oh, I take that, I clean it up. Yeah, it, 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 it's just about getting the content out for them. Um, and, and then others uh, like eBay, I work with eBay and, and now that's my current one uh on the side and ebay sends me over the recordings that they do on their side uh they send me over the recordings and i just basically put it together and and get the get it finished and get it up for them Um, and then help and consult them and and where they need to go and how to promote and things like that um but i always do that just i like to keep have one client around that's active uh, that i'm helping with uh the podcasting just so I stay sharp on things and and get it from the perspective uh, of uh, of a producer, because we have a lot of producers that are on, on lips and I wanna make sure I understand from their perspective how things are. I'm a podcaster myself, so I'm still doing my show. So I still you know look from that perspective, yeah, perspective yeah. as well.
0: That helps, definitely. So uh, we get back to the brand and content a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So I just um, um, want to talk a little bit more about uh, working with celebrities. Um, what are the main reasons for them to create content in the format of podcasts? Is it just a marketing tool mainly, or some of them perceive podcasts as the main medium to reach out to their audience?
1: You know, I, I think Tim Ferriss at this point in time, it's his main it's his main vehicle yeah, right. Right, to reach out. I, I think it, absolutely. Jack Welch it's purely a marketing tool. It, it, he's, he, Jack Welch comes and does the podcast every time he releases a new book. Right? So it's to help promote the book, help drive sales for the book. Um, it, it, so he uses it for a marketing vehicle, which is a great marketing vehicle. Podcast absolutely is a great marketing vehicle. And you get to hear Jack Welch, you know, um, you know Jack Welch, when he ran GE, GE was the most valuable company in the world. And, and you get to hear insight from the CEO of the, the person that made GE the most valuable company in the world. Then you can see what happened to GE after he left. right So he took it up and then he left and, and no one else there was able to keep it where it was. Um, so, uh, you know, having the access to Jack Welch behind the scenes, uh, yes. as a listener, um, it, it's a great thing. Um, Tim Ferriss, you know, he does it as his main outreach now. I think, um, he just recently stopped even taking ads on his podcast, he, you know, <laughs> so it, it, that it's that important to him, um, as, as a branding vehicle. And there are others out there, um, that, uh, are, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, is, is a great oh, example. Oh, yes. Of, yes. Could, could you, right? you tell
0: us more? I think everyone is interested in uh, Joe Rogan.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, Joe is, is someone who, when he started the podcast, he was doing it all. You know, this is the story I like to tell about Joe Rogan Is um, uh, you know, people don't realize how big of a, a geek he is and how techy he is. Uh, um, when he started the podcast, he was hosting it somewhere else other than Lipson. And he was about three weeks or so in, and he mentioned on his show that. He was having issues with his current host, and I heard that, and I, I sent an email, and I said, hey, Joe, I heard you on today's episode, I heard you you mentioned that there's issues with uh, your your hosting company, and I just want to let you know I, I'm a fan, and I work for Libsyn, and we host some other comedians podcasts, and we'd love to have you on board, and we can handle your traffic. 15 minutes later, the phone rang. I'm like, you know, I pick up the phone, I go, hello? because he hey, this is Joe, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Joe who? He goes, Joe Rogan. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? I go, I'm <laughs> sorry. I go, Joe, I'm sorry. I go, I go, what? He goes, you just sent me an email. I go, yeah, I go, yeah, I know. I go, I didn't expect you to call. I expected like, you know, a personal assistant. He goes, no. He goes, I do it all myself. <laughs> he goes, I'm editing. I'm uploading. So this isn't when he started. He's not still not doing it all himself. Now he's got Red Band and other people that help him. But in the early days, Joe was doing the whole thing. And, and he told me, he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, I was the first comedian with his own website. He goes, I coded that in HTML and eight, and CSS. So, you know, Joe is a really tech guy, um, but, you know, he is such a great entertainer and he doesn't do any crazy marketing stunts. He doesn't go out and buy over, take over other episodes. He doesn't do any of the stuff these the, the marketing gurus tell you to do. He just concentrates on creating great content with great guests and, and it lets, it, you know, the audience take care of promoting the show. For
0: yeah, them. he doesn't need any additional marketing. Yeah, that's true.
1: I was saying, but but there have been other celebrities whose names I won't mention, that are big name celebrities that have done podcasts that absolutely bombed. <laughs> so you know, okay, for for a podcast to do well, it's not just having a celebrity name. So people go, oh, well, he's a celebrity. Well, you know what? I can give bigger name celebrities than Joe Rogan, that have been in podcasting that never came close to the numbers that he got, or even I get from my own podcast. Right? And and, and why? Because they never. Really, were into it. They didn't really promote it on their to their social media followers. They just kind of someone told them you need to do a podcast. Okay, I guess I got to do a podcast, and they reluctantly went into it. And it showed in the results. Joe went into it whole wholeheartedly. You know, it, it was a, a major thing for him. He didn't need to do it. You know, he was doing the MMA stuff. It wasn't about him getting his vo- his name out there. It wasn't an ego play. He really wanted to interview these people and, and he, he passionate about interviewing. You can hear it in his voice when he talks to people. He likes to talk to people, right? And that's his way to do it on the show. And if people get into podcasting celebrities for the right reason, because they wanna do it, they will do well. But if they get into it because somebody at their PR company said, you should do this to help promote the movie that's coming out next week, it's not, it's not going to do well.
0: Right. I'm going to uh, take uh, one question from our users, probably it's a beginner in podcasting space. Our anonymous user is asking, I'm curious about how to, um, how you got into the podcasting business in the, oh, how you got into the podcasting business in the first place.
1: OK, so before I will answer that question, but I want to comment on Joshua because Joshua said uh, all social influence podcasts are bombing hard. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Here's an, here's one. A a guy on social uh, on, on YouTube with 18.8 million subscribers on YouTube. Right? Um, I won't say who it was. Um, six months after he launched, his podcast was getting 42000 downloads an episode. Now, 42000 is good, but it's not. million good right so 18.8 million these numbers you hear on youtube about subscribers they're complete bs they don't relate so 18.8 million on youtube equals 42,000 in podcast land Mm -hmm. and 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 so i just want to point out there is a big difference when people say they have all these followers that does not these followers and subscribers on youtube and social media yeah everyone take a note for that
0: this is a great 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 insight
1: 're you're, you're not going to get that. I've seen people with five and six million followers on Twitter not even get a thousand listeners to their podcast. All right. So you you forget what the the social medias are and Joshua you said all right, they, they are bombing when you compare those numbers. Now, that said, the guy that got eighteen million, eight point eighteen point eight million subscribers and forty two thousand podcast listeners, 42,000 is still in the top 1% of podcasts, so he still did good, but you have to put things in perspective and understand the numbers that you hear thrown out. Um, You can't compare social media numbers and you can't compare YouTube numbers to podcast numbers because they're not true audience. Subscribers, people running around, subscribe to PewDiePie, subscribe to PewDiePie. Those aren't audiences. People just clicking subscribe because their friends told them to click subscribe. Podcast listeners are real. They're core and they they take action all right now back to how i got into yeah
0: yeah yeah let's go the back stuff. to that one
1: okay. uh i was looking for a hobby it was 2004 i was at the right place at the right time i just finished my mba at uconn and i needed something to do i was traveling for work five out of six weeks on the road and i wanted something to do in the hotel room um and and started listening to the podcast and i said you know what i want to do podcast and, and so that's what got me into podcasting. And the hobby soon became a passion and overwhelmed me. And shortly thereafter, I quit my day job and started podcasting full time. Foolishly, in hindsight, should have waited. Should have milked the day job for more money. Um, but uh, and, and so uh, and by the way, the folks in the chat room, I'm not going to tell you who it was. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, on, on that, with the 18.8 million, you have to work it out yourself uh but the point is i got into podcasting as a hobby and and when i got into it I, I knew i wanted to do it i looked around and this was october 2004 and i looked around to find a tutorial on how to podcast and there wasn't one there was no sites about podcasting there was nothing there was one article in, in gadget that said you want a podcast take this enclosure tag put it in your rss feed and you're podcasting and, and i had no idea what those two things meant so i researched and i, I started a podcast called and a website called podcast 411 and to help people learn how to podcast so they didn't have to go through the, the, the hard times I went through figuring it out. Um, and, and, uh, and and for a topic, I said, you know what, there's about 100 podcasters, I'm going to do a podcast interviewing podcasters, I'll talk to the folks that are already doing it. And, and now that that number of podcasters has grown quite more than 100. <laughs> mm. And that is, that's how I got into podcasting. And then I was uh, lucky enough, um, to get hired by Libsyn over 12 years ago. I was promoting their service on my podcast all the time. It's where I hosted for two years before I started, over two years before I started working for them. And uh, they said, you promote us so well, would you like a job? And I said, yes. And I've been with Libsyn ever since.
0: Yeah, but that's, that's a cool story. But uh, yeah, uh, we have a question from Samantha, who's asking uh, you to recommend something for people who are interested in getting into it. Uh, because nowadays the market is obviously different from uh, the market that we had in 2004. So what would be your advice to people who are going to start
1: podcasting? 7% of podcasts ever get to the number where you can monetize, really realistically monetize. And, and only, only about 2% ever get to where it's going to get to the point where it's a day job right? Um, from a monetization point of view. Keep your day job keep it until it's holding you back where pot it's holding you back from making more money on podcasting keep doing it um learn about this thing called five hour energy drink and take lots of them right sleep is a is a luxury you can cut back on if you want to be a podcaster and you're getting and you think you're going to get eight to nine hours of sleep you are woefully mistaken um that's just not going to happen um Uh, it takes time. It is a lot more work to podcast than it is to blog or anything else. But on the upside, there is more time in the day for people to listen to podcasts. So you have an opportunity and there's a lot less podcasters than there are bloggers. There's 600 million active blogs. There's only about 200,000 active podcasts. So now is a good time to get into it. But, but don't get into it thinking you're going to get rich. Don't quit your day job. Do it first. And, Matt, your first podcast is more than likely not going to be your successful podcast. Your first podcast is how you're going to learn to podcast. Your second podcast is going to be when you get that brilliant aha moment and can act upon it. Aaron Mankey at Lore. Lore was not his first podcast. It was his second podcast. His first podcast did not get very good numbers. But he came up with the idea of Lore, and a few months later, he launched it and it took off, right? So it's your second podcast, Grammar Girl is another example of that. Mignon Fogarty, she had another podcast called Absolute Science was her first podcast. That was not her big one. It was when she had the idea for Grammar Girl and she was able to launch it because she knew how to podcast. So when you're getting into podcasts, think about your first podcast, maybe your starter podcast. Um,
0: yeah. Um, it's it's like, your
1: second one, right?
0: Yeah. You have to search like for your, topics. Right. It's like, like your starter
1: wife. You got married at 20. You have a starter wife or a spouse and it doesn't work out. And then it's the second one that becomes your lifelong partner um, because you learned all the mistakes with the first one. And that's what's gonna happen with podcasting.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, guys, uh, thank you for your comments. Thanks everyone for asking questions and typing your comments. Uh, we, are, we have to wrap up very soon. I'm just going to uh, take a question. I think Tina asked, what do you think of this live cast?
1: live is good. I like live for the perspective that live is great when you get audience interaction. Um, there should be a, I, I am a firm believer. there should be a reason to do live. Um, don't just do live because you think live is sexy. Do live because you're going to interact with the audience. I think one of the worst things you can do is do live and not interact with your audience. Um, yeah, uh, that that's that's a tease that and, and, and on top of that, you're not going to be as good. Right? If you're not gonna interact with the audience, why bother doing live? Just be purely edited. And not every show is meant to do live. You have to understand like my show today in iOS, I could never, people said, oh, why don't you do it live? It takes me 20 minutes. It takes me an hour to record each 20 minutes because I edit as I go and I, and I fix things and, and I look at my notes and I try to figure stuff out. That would be so boring to watch me do today in iOS live. I would never do that to my audience. Um, but live has a, has a good place when you interact with your audience and you have to make sure if you, you, you do that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think we, um, got a call from Camille, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't uh, have a chance to pick up the call. If you want to ask something, just call back. We still have a few minutes, still a few minutes to go. And, um, yeah. And before we re- okay. Camille is asking to join. Hello, Camille. Hello. Can you hear us well? Okay, I think we, okay. Yeah, I don't think we have good connection here. Okay, oh, yeah. We have one more question from the user. Um, before we wrap up, um, the user is asking, I want to know about Rob's first podcast.
1: I think Rob's first, first podcast yeah. was pretty successful. It was, po- it was <laughs> Podcast 411. Now, again, you have to look at success in in... in 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 moderation, or in in perspective, my first podcast, Podcast 411, which is the one that got me known in the podcast space. And it was, you know, the podcast to go to about podcasting. It was the first podcast about podcasting. Um, In at that point in time, in its heyday, um, it was getting 3,000 to 4,000 downloads an episode at the most. I launched a couple years later, uh, after it launched, I launched a podcast called Today and iPhone. And Today and iPhone, within a matter of three months had a bigger audience than podcast 411 because I launched the first the, the today and iPhone at the time that the iPhone came out or actually before the iPhone came out, I launched it in April of 2007. Um, so my second podcast was much more successful and, um, than my first one, as far as numbers of downloads go and, and, and monetization goes. Um, but podcast one, one was what taught me the space, got me my relationships, and that's what got me the job. So from that perspective, you know, I I can't complain. And I got lucky. And I was, again, I got lucky. And by the way, if you go to look at Podcast 411 and try to find the first 30 episodes, you won't find them because the first 30 episodes quality-wise were so horrendously Oh, really? And Um, what happened to them? Yeah. I took them down. They were just embarrassing because there was learning how to record Skype. Nobody knew how to record Skype. There was no software to record Skype. Um, It took me a while to figure out how to record an interview. I was... Going on the fly, there were no tutorials, there was no you know, webinars, there were no masterminds um, back then. Um, so I was learning it, and I got help from one of my listeners, a guy by the name of Paul, out of Columbus, Ohio. And he said, "Hey, he goes, here's some help. Here's what I think you can do to help on your on your your recording equipment." Because he, he was an audio engineer, and, and he helped me out, and finally figured out the right way to record a Skype interview, and 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 from that point forward, for the last, you know. 14 plus years, I've been using that same basic setup to record Skype interviews and it's been rock solid. Um, But it took a while to get there and the first 30 interviews, you can hear it in the audio quality. Um, um, So I took them down. I would be curious to listen to them. yeah I, I have a notes I think I've uh, hidden on the website you can still find the notes too I, I say uh, if you really want this email me or, and I'll send you a link to it but I, oh. I, I, I'd have to really dig to find links to them at this point in time.
0: Mm, yeah oh I think t- today we just had a great workshop so it's a great episode if you guys want to learn how to start doing your podcast you can listen to it and just yeah learn from what Rob were saying um, b- before we wrap up, just really quickly, uh, I really wanted to ask you about uh, content created by uh, huge companies. So you already mentioned eBay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, can you tell to those who hadn't listened to this podcast yet why they should go and listen?
1: Okay, well, like there's one podcast on eBay, uh, from eBay, and it's called Selling on eBay. And actually, they're changing the name to eBay for Business. And, and that podcast, you would want to listen to it If you are a seller on eBay, if you have, uh, you know, if you sell on eBay, that podcast is for you. It's not for people that buy on eBay. It's not for people that never visit eBay. It's for people that sell on eBay. And and why you would want to listen to it is it gives you so much great insight into what's going on at eBay and how to better optimize your sales uh, and and all the tricks and tips and uh, strategy that all these other successful eBay sellers come on and talk about and executives at ebay come in and talk about so if you are a seller on ebay absolutely selling on ebay and that's by the time you hear depending on when people listen to this uh, ebay for business that is the podcast that you want to listen to just search for ebay uh, you should find it Um, but they do a great job on that and then and there's other really good podcasts yeah could you give a couple of
0: could could you give a couple of other examples
1: yeah trader joe's has one trader joe uh, trader joe insider is a great one um, out there. Really successful to download-wise as well. And the different Trader Joe's around the country um, will play. One, the tra- Trader Joe's here in Leewood, Kansas, um, plays the episode, the weekly episode, or the, when, when they have new episodes, they play an episode like once a week inside the inside the Trader Joe's. So they'll play it for the people walking around the store hearing it. Um, John Deere has a podcast. Lift just recently had a podcast. Oh yeah, that's really like Three, Yeah, 3M has one. And then it's not just kind of cool brands, um, no offense to the following ones, but it's also kind of more of the boring um, accounting type ones. Accenture, Ernst & Young, Deloitte, Gartner, um, Cooper, PwC. They all have podcasts. What do you think of their um, content? What do you for think? For their audience. For their audiences, I think all those companies do a really good job. They're they're targeting it for their audience. And that's the key. Don't target it for the mass audience, the mass market. You have to target it for who your core customer base is. If you have a a branded podcast and you're a business and you get 500 to 1,000 people listening, that's really good. Because I will say to this, when's the last time as someone who's a public speaker that you got out there and were able to speak to more than 500 people in a room? Now figure that you can do that every week. That's, that's great. So if you can get in front of 500 to 1,000 people on a podcast about your business, you're doing something good. Now, the other thing to make your, make it so that people keep coming back, it can't be a pitch fest. You know, if you listen to selling on eBay, it's not a pitch fest. It's information that you want to listen to as a seller. Right? John Deere's podcast is more um, about branding but not about their products. They don't talk about the John Deere product. They talk about history. Uh so it's a more of a history podcast. Trader Joe's, they interview people in the supply chain and and really give you a behind-the-scenes look inside Trader Joe's. It's not like, hey, go down to this aisle and find this product that's for sale. So they're not selling you. What they're doing is trying to entertain and educate you. And so the products podcasts that do it well, um, that's what they're about. Uh, another one, Smead, company Smead, they make file folders. You know, the, you, you can't get any more boring than that, right? 5 yeah. they have a podcast. <laughs> it, and, and the podcast is about organizing your life and it's geared towards office managers, right? It's yeah, perfect, yeah. brilliant play. It's not, they're not selling their product. Their podcast is a little manila, but it, it's good and, and it works. It works for them.
0: I've been watching you giving a presentation and uh, as an example, you, you were talking about podcast of Starbucks.
1: Oh, the worst one ever! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. That was that was where the marketing firm did it such a bad job they got fired. Um, it, oh, really? Starbucks podcast. Yeah, the the, the uh, Starbucks podcast was so bad.
0: Oh um, yeah, you article... guys. If, yeah, if you guys haven't uh, didn't have a chance to listen to it, just go and find it. It's uh, it's oh. very interesting.
1: There is a person literally in 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 one of the episodes spitting into a platoon, swirling the the coffee in his mouth. You hear him slurping the coffee. He goes, we slurp the coffee. (laughs) You hear him slurping, and then he's spitting it into a platoon, And, and they're doing taste testing of coffee. Now, that might sound great if you're the CEO of Starbucks and you think that's funny or you think that's interesting, but if you're a listener with earbuds in the middle of your ear and you're in line at Starbucks and you hear someone spitting in a platoon in the middle of your head, you're thinking, you know what, maybe I'll just go to Smoothie King and get a smoothie instead. <laughs> um, so yeah, Aww. it was really, really bad. And, and yeah. I have the audio clip and I uh-huh. play it every now and then when I do presentations because I can never imagine getting a worse podcast. It was the, the only one that comes close to being as bad as it was Hillary Clinton's original podcast, which was just repurposed Senate floor speeches of her. Oh. totally missed the mark yeah it was oh. it was bad i, I was I've just heard her talking that. from the senate floor
0: uh, i've heard they're going to create a new podcast uh, i'm not sure will it be from hillary or uh, bill because they just uh, filed um the request I well
1: think. Wait. yeah no no there's a new one that that, that yeah. bill and chelsea are doing together oh, for okay. the clinton library uh-huh. it, it, so hopefully doing it, for it the will clinton be a better one. clinton clinton foundation well 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 here's the thing they're doing it for the Clinton Foundation. And CNN, this is from CNN, CNN said they're doing this to help improve their image because the Clinton Foundation got so beat up in the last election. Well, it got beat up in the last election because of foreign influence. So what does the Clinton Foundation do with this podcast? They host it on a company outside the United States. Not not the smartest move on their part. If you were going to do that, you could have found a, a hosting company inside the U.S. to put that on. A um, little common sense, yes, exactly. Um, but, yeah. you know, it, Bernie's got a good podcast. Um, so Bernie Sanders has got one. Uh, Joe Biden had one. Um, there'll be some really good ones. Um, uh, Senator Obama, at the time he was Senator Obama, then became President Obama, had a great podcast. So um, there have been some people that have done really good jobs with their podcast and have led them to uh, the White House. There have been others that did a really bad job and didn't get the White House. So there, there's a, there's, there is your thing. If you want to be president of the United States, you got to do a good podcast. You can't just phone it in, literally.
0: Yeah, true. The market is uh, very competitive. And yeah, the audience is demanding. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, we have one more question. Any good politics podcast for people with very little background understanding, like politics for dummies? Any advice?
1: (sighs) One of the best political podcasts of all time was Common Sense with Dan Carlin. And sadly, he stopped doing it. And it was by far probably the best one out there and one of the largest audiences. Uh, And he stopped doing it because the political environment became so toxic that Every episode, he had people mad at him from both sides of the aisle. And he just said it wasn't worth doing it anymore. And that's the problem with politics today. It has become so toxic. Um, So it's difficult. So if I was to pick a podcast to say, is it good? Well, I'd have to first say, are you lean to the left or do you lean to the right? If you lean to the left, best of the left, one of the best ones on the left. Um, If you lean to the right, um, you may want to look at um, something from like Dan uh, Bongiorno, Bongiorno. He's got a pretty big one. Um, And then um, uh, kind of more in the middle, libertarian side, Tom Woods, and um, is a really good one.
0: Yeah, thanks for your advice. Uh, I think we, yeah, you guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And um, that's a wrap for the show this week. I hope you really guys enjoyed it and uh, got so much very useful information. And you are listening to Podvice. We were joined by Rob Walsh. VP of Podcaster Relations at Libsyn, Rob. Thank you so, so much.
1: Valentina, thank you so much for having me on the show. And thanks for everything you guys do at CastBox for helping grow the podcast audience.
0: Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. We'll do our best. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. uh, And thanks for all your questions and comments and gifts. Next week, we will be on air, same time, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Our guest for the next week is James Cridland, radio futurologist and editor of podnews.net. I'll see you next week.